0: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
1: I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day The big tournament or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: We're Grant and Danny. This is The Fan. Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. Got a nice show for you planned over these next four and a half hours. Three o'clock, Eric Eager. Covers the NFL analytics savant. Gives us his thoughts on the final four teams remaining in football. 4 o'clock, your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to the DC Auto Show. And at 6 o'clock, Candace Buckner, the Washington Post, crushed the Wizards for the Rui trade, stops by. What's the plan? Is there a plan, and where are they going from here? Three, eager four, four four-pack of tickets to the DC Auto Show. 6 o'clock, Buckner, here on Grant &
3: Danny. Good mood today, Jeeps. The the lady wife rotates what she buys in terms of groceries for us just to try to keep it spicy, keep things interesting. So we do a lot of cold cuts in the Hooray house, right? This week, we landed on pastrami. I love pastrami. I don't have any other commentary other than that. I'm really excited about my pastrami sandwich that I have, waiting for me to eat some lunch here in a few moments. Probably this commercial break, I'll start on that pastrami sandwich. I like pastrami. Yep. I love roast beef. Okay.
2: And I feel like while they're not in the same family... Maybe they're cousins. I think they're related. You think? Yes. What do you prefer?
3: Pastrami or roast beef? Pastrami. Here's why. I, you're not getting me to say anything bad about roast beef. Just an upstanding citizen that wants to make you happy.
2: You know that it is my one seed sub. Yes. If you've seen me consume mm-hmm. 100 subs,
3: yep. I would say 100 of them have been roast beef. 65, 70, 80% are roast beef. Um, I love the pastrami because it's in the salted meats family. You you incorporate something that I like already. Meat. Okay. We're, we're already on a good place. We're, we're in a very happy spot. You're gonna cure that thing, you're gonna salt it an awful lot and give me some of that salt that I crave and love so much. Now you're now we're now we're moving. A little corned beef, a little pastrami, I'm in.
2: I don't need enough sandwiches probably mm-hmm. in terms of like homemade. It's the middle of the day. I could just go put meat and cheese on bread. When I get a sandwich, I am going to a place and yep. ordering it. I'm I'm going to Jersey Mike's or I'm hitting up cornucopia mm-hmm. or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with a hoagie, a sub. I mean, all it is is my favorite thing. But that is a little bit of a hole in my game, I would say. I can count on one hand the number of sandwiches at home that I've made myself over the last few years. I completely sleep on peanut butter and jelly. I think that would be a top 10 food for me. And yet I eat peanut butter and jelly probably once every two years at this point. I mean, how is that possible? Why wouldn't I eat it more?
3: Well, here's what happened to us. I mean, if you remember when we were doing middays, we did it. We did an eating challenge where we had to eat as many peanut butter jellies as possible. That's right. And I did. I did a terrible job. I was supposed to be our anchor, if I could say that. And I did an awful job. That I don't day. want to
2: besmirch you. You were a massive disappointment.
3: Huge disappointment. I'll wear it. I, I've screwed us. I
2: drafted you number two overall, thinking you'd be
3: generational. Yep. And you've given me single-digit sacks through three years. But, I, but during the offseason, I was out making that money. Anyway, the point is, I didn't take it seriously. I thought, oh, I'll eat throughout the day, keep my stomach expanded, then I'll do very well. I'll just cavalierly roll in and dominate this thing. Terrible miscalculation. I was awful. I embarrassed us. I let us down. We lost because of me. But I sat in this chair, I'm pointing to my right, and ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I ate so much of that I was so full and felt so terrible. I immediately went to bed that night and d- didn't do my fatherly duties and, like, help out with the kid. And you d- ate d- nothing. two sandwiches, right? No, I had four, and it was awful. And it, I've never felt worse in my life. I didn't have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for five years. Really? I was like, I can't, I can't bring myself to do it. Only recently I've been able to get back into it.
2: For me, it's a matter of when I am making food for myself, that normally ends up for me ordering food for myself. Like My wife tonight is an example. Mm-hmm. She's taking the kids to the Georgetown game. It's a 6-30 start. We are still on the air. Uh, they get to go watch the Hoyas lose by 23 and lose another game in conference. They're closing in on 30 in a row. Am I allowed to say that Patrick Ewing's a terrible coach yet, or I still can't because he's a legend of the program? He's a legend. Grant- get over yourselves. It was a bad hire. It always has been. You're wrong. I'm right. He should not be coaching that team. Anyways, they'll be there tonight. We're season ticket holders for the Hoyas still, for some reason that I can't quite figure out. So she's taking the kids there. Capital One Arena. That's great. She's like, you're on your own tonight. That means you can order whatever food you'd like. Yeah, that's what that means. That's not like, oh, I'll make myself some chicken. Uh -uh. That's not like, oh, I can do a little peanut butter and jelly. Mm -mm.
3: 40 minutes of effort for a very mediocre product at best. Right. I'll just skip all that and
2: eat something delicious. Get on that little cell phone. So that's what I'm going to do. But I... I just think I need to make more peanut butter and jelly sandwich.
3: I think that's a, that's a good goal to set for yourself. I also know this. When I make it, it stinks. I'm not good at making it. My wife will take the same ingredients with the same process and make something that's very tasty. When I make it, it's like messy. It's like falling apart. It like doesn't make any sense. So like I get the proportions wrong and it's never as good. So I I leave it to the professionals.
2: If you guys want to interact with us throughout the show, a good way to do it is on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Grant H. Paulson for me, at Funny Danny for Danny. And, of course, we'll open up the MGM National Harbor listener lines as we take calls throughout the day at 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. We appreciate you guys checking us out today. always means a lot. Why don't we start here? The Wizards, after trading Rui Hachimura, have been a story in town for the first time in a little while here. And I I hate that this is the case for the Wizards, but it does seem like, you tell me if you disagree, that they inevitably come up as a topic of conversation when they do something that annoys people, and for no other reason, really, at this point. Like, when is the last time, very positively, we all talked about the Wizards? The I guess,
3: rip-roaring start they got off to last year. When they
2: were year. 10-3 and led yeah. the Eastern Conference. Yes. That was over a calendar year ago. There is not a, hey, great couple wins for the Wizards. Let's discuss them. Because there just doesn't seem to be enough interest in the fleeting good moments that they have.
3: There's not. And it breaks my heart, by the way. Like, all I want is for them to be relevant so that we can incorporate them here. But I'm, I'm realistic about it. As a huge basketball. I love basketball. I always have my whole life. I still love the NBA, despite them doing their best to kind of ward me off uh, and my affections. But the Wizards are a distant fourth place. I don't know if that was the case 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but it is now. It just is. That's that's the reality of it. It's what happens when you're listless. That's what happens when you're sort of in the same hamster wheel type stuff. They, they haven't broken free at any point. And the getting bad, which they've been really disappointing a couple times, hasn't led to that transformational type moment, A.K. drafting a John Wall. That hasn't happened in more than a decade. Go back to 2011. That's when I believe John Wall was drafted. Two years later, it was Bradley Beal's time. Both great players, both outstanding. Bill's gonna pass uh everybody else uh and be the all-time scorer in, in Wizards franchise history. What's that led them to? There are no 50-win seasons, which is the equivalent, by the way, of 10 or 11 wins in, in football. They've never really broken through, haven't been to a conference championship game since I was a kid, since you know before I was born, basically. There's just nothing going on here that has won fans over. There are still there are a few diehards. And they got their blogs, and they've got the different things that they pay attention to, and every night they're tuning in, and they're just trying to sift through whatever messaging is coming out, looking for a reason to hope and want to belong. But realistically, you're right. It's not something that's part of the regular sports calendar or a purview, I think for good reason.
2: I mean, this fan base has and will be disconsolate here for a while in that they have given up hope. That's the worst thing that can happen, I think for a fan of uh, in sports of any team is to not have hope, right? You, you want to be able to feel like even when you're bad, it's to, for a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And even when your team is not good this season, that there is a plan. I'll give you an example as the nationals. The nationals were awful last year. The nationals will be really bad this year. In fact, I think I texted Ryan this today. I texted a couple of my buddies who care about baseball. I was just going through a bunch of stuff with the Nationals and starting to get into the baseball fever. And I, my, my prediction was, I think they're going to win like 59 games this year or something like that. I mean, they're going to be terrible again. But I have hope that the Nationals can be good in the future. Right now, as I sit here, knowing that for the moment, ownership has stopped spending and Rizzo and his staff have, clearly been told they can't actually spend money again this offseason and the roster is not going to be, you're not adding anything of value to this group because you have James Wood in the minor leagues, because you have Robert Hassel who will be in the majors this year because you have a young developing shortstop who might become something in C.J. Abrams because in the rotation we'll get to see Cade Cavalli and Mackenzie uh, Gore, Mackenzie Gore and, and hopefully a better version of Josiah Gray this coming season, maybe he takes a big jump forward. They need him to. Like, I have hope that they could, in a year, be more competitive. And there's also the, the possibility, and this is a big deal, Danny maybe they have a new owner. Yep. Maybe that new owner comes in and spells, uh, spends a bunch of money. Maybe it's Ted Leontis, by the way, from the, the team we're talking about, the Wizards, who would be a massive upgrade just by being interested and willing to spend over what's happening right now. I have hope for the Nats. I have hope for the Caps. How could you not? It's Ovechkin chasing down Gretzky, which is a blast. They've got really good players. They're going to make the playoffs again, ideally. When you make the playoffs in hockey, you can go on a deep run and win the Cup. Even the Commanders, you make the case. I don't have to, and and I can follow up, but you have hope for the Commanders right now.
3: Yeah, the Commanders and Wizards are very similar, right? As long as Dan Snyder's there, you've got a ceiling. They're the only team in the sport that doesn't have an 11-win season. In the last 30 plus years. The only team, everybody else has done it, most of them, everybody else pretty much multiple times, except for Washington. They have never been really legitimately honest to goodness good. They've had a couple fines, a couple okays. They've never gotten there. The hope is at the end of the tunnel with the removal of Dan Snyder. It doesn't guarantee anything, but at least there's reason for optimism again that you don't have a, a tyrant in charge. You don't have a guy that has ruined everything that he's touched since he became a billionaire. That's the best case for it, right? Is you've got some stability here, even if it just leads to seven and nine, eight and eight type seasons in in Ron Rivera. I don't know that he's the guy that leads you to the promised land. He's a nice stepping stone coach, though, right? He's the guy before Steve Kerr that can that can lead you to, to the dynasty potentially, get things into into adulthood, right? With an organization, the best case is that Dan's gone and then you get a fresh start and you can sort of get with the times. It's not as if the future is automatically bright, but at least there's a glimmer of hope for the first time since Dan's owned the team.
2: The ownership element of this is the biggest point mm-hmm. on the Commanders and hope for the fans. Because with a new owner might come a new a new stadium and a stadium in D.C. again, maybe at the RFK site. Like These are awesome possibilities. Maybe a new GM and a new head coach, and they find a quarterback. But let's say, ownership aside, all that stuff doesn't happen. They have a great defense that you feel like could steal them enough games that... One or two games goes differently next year. You're in the playoffs, and who knows? Maybe you're the Giants, and you get to to win a playoff game. Maybe Sam Howell's good. I'm not sitting here telling you de- definitively that he will be, but what if Sam Howell's good? Now, now you have a quarterback you can win with. Maybe he's not a star, but he's good enough. It's a league, Danny, mm-hmm. where teams go worst to first all the time. You can be bad for an extended period of time like the Bengals. Something changes, Joe Burrow, and next thing you know, you're really good. That can happen. Where is the hope right now for the Wizards, is what I would ask you. From an endgame standpoint, from a best-case scenario, if everything works out for you over the next year or two, what does that look like? Is the best-case scenario that they win a series like they did against the Raptors back in the day with Otto Porter as the third member of their trio? is it that John Wall's jumping up on the scorer's table and you're pushing the Celtics to a Game 7 and you're on the the precipice of a conference final? Because that feels light years away from where they are right now, where they're just scratching and clawing. in an East that's better than it was then. That's right. To just make the playoffs. But when they locked in with Bradley Beal, and there might be someone smarter than me that says they had to do that, they didn't have a choice. I personally think they did. I think
3: they had a great choice.
2: I think they should have traded him three or four times over over the last several years. But when they locked into this new Supermax, to me, the best case scenario is that they get into the playoffs and win a series. You know, something like that.
3: That's if everything's perfect. If everything
2: goes well. But I just I I compare them to the other teams, the Nats, and that's a bad team currently. Worse than the Wizards probably in terms of win percentage this year. There's hope that they get good again fast. And by the way, the front office people that are there now are the people that won your, your World Series, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen this. They they started from the bottom. They got to the top. Now they're at their bottom again, and they're going to try to build it back up, but we've seen them do it. I, I would be curious if we can open up the phones for people to make the case for why you've got hope as a Wizards fan, that they can win a championship in the years ahead. I mean, how how long should we make that window for the conversation? Five years? Because longer than five years is kind of irrelevant, right? And, right, because, you, you, yeah, it, impossible to, to sort of... But you, you could easily say the Capitals could win a championship in the next five years. Unlikely, but you could make a case for the, the commanders fi- within the next five years going on a, a run.
3: Yeah, it's un- and it's unlikely for everybody. Only one team wins one per year. You could be really, totally. really good. I mean, to me, I'd even change it to has a ch- is a legit bona fide contender. Right? I mean, I think the Bills are legit bona fide contenders and they just got bounced. That's not a failure. That's a good operation. First team since the merger in
2: 70, by the way, to be the preseason betting favorite to win the Super Bowl and not get to the conference championship game.
3: Yeah. To me, they lost. And that's a bummer. That's, you know, but that doesn't change the fact that it's a really good process. Agreed. To me, I'm basically saying. All I want to be is a legit, bona fide contender with a, with a window that's that's open. If you win, it's basically luck of the draw you get to a conference final. If you're one of the final four teams in any one of the sports, you've really got, at that point, it's, is your pitcher's right hand, does he have the blister or not? Is the guy that's hitting third in your lineup on fire or not, right? Or is, the, is your shooting guard, you know, is his ankle feeling good? I mean, any of those little tiny things, you've got a real, legit chance. It's not just... Feeding from scraps from the table. It's the real contender type stuff. And the Wizards are eons from being that. So eons. here are
2: the questions for you. And we're going to pose these right now on the phones. You can fill them up at 800-636-1067. The first I would say is, is it fair to say that your Wizards fandom feels more hopeless in terms of legitimate contender championship type run abilities in the years ahead than any of the other teams in town? Is that fair to put them last of the teams in town in terms of how much hope you feel? And then I would ask, how big is the gap between the Wiz and a Nats team that has bottomed out right now? Or a Commanders Club that is one of three teams in its conference that has not been to a conference championship game since 1996? And, of course, for the Commanders, then the Redskins, it was five years before that line of demarcation when they were last there in 91. 800-636-1067 is the number on Grant and Danny. Eric Eager gives us thoughts on the four remaining teams in the NFL at 3 o'clock, and an hour after that today at 4, we're giving away tickets to the DC Auto Show. Those are hot tickets everybody wants. Make sure you're listening. You're listening to the fan.
1: Postseason is still our goal always, and that's something that we, it's up to these players. They've got to go out and win these games. We've got to keep adding talent, but I think it's coming together as a group, and then certainly their motivation every day. Hey, let's get to the playoffs. Anything can happen.
2: That was Tommy Shepard on the Wizards Radio Network. Wiz in action tonight in Dallas. They take on the Mavericks, who are tick over 500 at 25 and 23. We're discussing the landscape in D.C. sports right now, and just as a fan, where you get your hope from, because the idea when you watch and root for these teams is they can accomplish something meaningful. With the Capitals, by far, ahead of everyone else and their chances to do so in the moment, a likely playoff team. they got to get their act back together after they were the hottest team in hockey for a month. They brought Wilson and Backstrom back on the same day, and and in hindsight, while that was just was an cool. amazing yeah. night, they were on the, the, the big screen together being reintroduced. They're in the same starting lineup on the same line. I think it was a lot at one time. Maybe if you staggered it, but I know they just you can't help it. They came back at the same time. They got healthy at the same time. But even if it was a few games apart, maybe it would have been beneficial in hindsight um, because all of a sudden you're sitting guys now and they were in a good rhythm. And I think it has hurt them a little bit. And getting those two guys back,
3: specifically Wilson,
2: is massive.
3: Yeah, you you go through that, but know that they they haven't necessarily been the same team as before those guys came back. Totally.
2: By the way, tonight, no TJ Oshie who's flown back to Mm -hmm. D.C., a congratulations to he and his wife, uh, Lauren Oshie. They're having their fourth child uh, sometime around now. I don't know if it's today, tomorrow, yesterday, whatever, but he won't be with the team. And Alex Ovechkin's a game-time decision as they take on the defending champs. So that's not uh-huh. ideal. No big deal. <laughs> but uh, if Ovi plays, ideally, you know, they can find a way to steal a win and then get back here to play the Penguins at home. But you, you would put the Caps ahead of everyone else in terms of readiness to compete. The commanders might be second in terms of how soon you could win something meaningful just because the Nats are now a few years away. But the the whole point of the conversation is the Wizards and how right now this feels really hopeless to expect them to do anything impactful.
3: Why do you and I, this is rhetorical, why do you and I do this? Why do conversations happen in barbershops with buddies over a beer anywhere, right? What, What are we really talking about? We should keep this guy. We should cut this guy. We should trade this guy. We should sign this guy. We should draft this guy. What's the point of every conversation? You're sitting there trying to figure out how your team can be great. That's all this is. You're looking ahead. You're trying to squint and see this is the road we take. If this works, if this works, if that works, that doesn't work. Cut this. Sign this. Try this, etc. That's all we're doing at the end of the day is looking ahead and trying to find a reason to believe and hope, and you look for the vision. I can see it even though there's no precedent for it with with the commanders, I can see it. It's a league that's designed for people to repeat, and upstarts happen all the time. With the Nationals, i got to look a longer way in the future, but I can see it. They did it before. With the Capitals, they're still doing it. With the Wizards, I don't see it. And I think that's at the core of what we're talking about. Is there light at the
2: end of this tunnel, and how does it compare to the light at the end of the other team's tunnels? I guess if I'm boiling the topic down into a few words. Rod's in D.C. joining us on Grant and Danny. Hey, Rod. What's up,
1: Rod? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, dude. Um, there's no light at the end of this tunnel, and we are on a hamster wheel. Every player we draft,
3: we trade away. Jordan, just the, the, the guy we just drafted, who's in the G League right now. With Johnny Davis. Most confidence. Johnny he can't Davis. get on the yeah. floor. He can't get on the floor. Why we draft him? I, we haven't had a rookie that we actually drafted, and he played starting night or even the same week I, I I I cannot remember a rookie that we actually
0: drafted and he played and actually produced for us. Like, same year. You see all these rookies around the league, and they're playing. We we don't have that. We never have that.
2: I think, thank you for the call. Number one, they, they have not drafted well. Period. Full stop, story. period. Yep. There's no defending their draft history recently in the first round or even over post-Beal, I'd say, over the last decade, it's been really, really, really bad. That just is what it is. Yes. I think there is some context, you could say, in the range that they often draft. It is more of a crapshoot in that 9 to 12 range or whatever than it would be in the NFL where you're getting a really good player, best corner in the country, maybe something like that, or in other sports, hockey or even baseball, you're, you're getting better versions of players maybe than in the NBA. Having said that, other teams find a way to do it all the time. And they, where is their Halliburton? You know, where is their guy who was drafted outside of the top five, outside of the top ten, who becomes amazing? They don't have that guy. I think they have drafted one player since 1980 who's averaged 20-plus points, Bradley Beal, who averages 22. And
3: th- that's the entire list. Yeah, I mean, and some of it, there's a little bit of bad luck to it. Some years, when you get the number three pick, it's Otto Porter. Perfectly fine, but come on. Some years, if you have the number three pick, it's Luka Doncic. Right. You know, like so that's not their fault specifically. What is their fault, though, to your, to your point, is A, never hitting. That's really hard to do. You go a decade plus of that going, hey, this can you believe this guy was drafted there? You can and explain a, a year away, two years yes, away. Not that much. The other part, and this is the part that I think is a bigger issue, is you're drafting him to a team that's trying to compete right now this minute for that nine seed. I need the kid that you drafted at 9, 10, 11, 12 to be allowed to screw up and allowed to fail. Play 37 minutes a night. Let I, – I, the guy I always pick is Danny Avdia. Let Danny Avdia screw up a bunch. Let him brick three after three after three after three. If it doesn't work out, now we know, and we, we're going to be in a better position to find his replacement or someone that can be a star. If it does work out, now you're getting somewhere. They don't do that. It just goes back to a philosophical issue,
2: which is th- – they never draft high enough to get the really good players anyway mm-hmm. because they don't allow themselves to be bad enough to do that. And there's something to be said too for the minutes logged and how often, you know, the young players that they bring in here get the best crack at turning into something. Let's go to Eric in Maryland on Grant and Danny hey, Hair. What's up,
1: Eric? Hey guys, how are you? It's good Time Caller. Oh, we appreciate you making uh, the call, they've... man. Thanks. First yeah, off, happy thanks Thanksgiving having... everybody.
2: Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I...
1: Thank you so much. Uh, I think that the uh, Wizards have zero, zero hope. I think this trade was abysmal. Uh, In theory, when you make a trade, aren't you trying to be better after the trade? And I think this trade makes the Wizards worse, and I think the Lakers robbed them. I mean, we finally had a really good, young, emerging player that we obviously should keep and try to build around And uh, it seems like the Wizards are actually trying to stay mediocre.
2: (laughs) Thank you, buddy. Thanks, dude. So two things. They got the worst end of the deal unequivocally. Sometimes in basketball, you're trading for flexibility. Yes. Which is, I think, what they did here. They didn't trade because they liked Kendrick Nunn or because three twos will turn into three great players. They liked the, the possibility of how they could use those twos in future moves maybe. And, and not having to pay Rui, necessarily. The one thing I just refuse to do that is suddenly happening is, since they traded Rui, Rui's gotten a lot better. I don't know if you've noticed this. I have. What but, a star. I mean, he just said he's this <laughs> up-and-coming young... No, he's not. No, with all due respect to Rui. Rui averages basically the exact same points, fewer rebounds, but similar line right now to his rookie year, and it's been all four years of his career. I'm not telling you he won't be a good player in L.A., that there's not a role for better him. Better fit, I think. There absolutely is a role for him in L.A., and he'll be fine. I think he'll have some really good games and some good moments for them. This team should not have paid Rui and kept him around. They should not have. Let's not pretend like he was something he was not. I he think, was a 13.5 yeah. rebound player who struggled on defense.
3: Who's kind of in between positions and and doesn't have the flexibility that everybody kind of craves. I mean, the the rule that the team that the trade has to make you better, I would take exception with that. That was the only Grunfeld special, right? You're slightly better because you traded for Markeith Morris and you give up another first round pick. You traded for, you know, a veteran that you've had seven different times to be a three and D guy when you're supposed to you've drafted two different guys to be that over the last four or five years. There's gotta be a purpose to it. There's gotta be a coherent plan. If it was just a we got to get a little bit more cap space to sign Kyle Kuzma, that's not good enough for me. It's if it's the start of a rip all the furniture up and and throw it overboard and let's really start anew, now you got something. But I don't think it's that.
2: Let's talk to our guy, Gylo, the Bat Signal winner. Gylo. Chance to uh, call in about the Wiz. What's up, buddy?
3: Hey, buddies. Um, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It just happens to be a train of you locking yourself once again into mediocrity. They are going to sign Kyle Kuzma to an abs- absurd contract that you should never give him, but they're just going to do it anyway because they like being here. This is their nice little honey hole. They like to sit here, not win 45 games. And, you know, maybe scratch into the playoffs and, you know, stuff like that. I, I hate it. I haven't watched them since Thanksgiving. I, I just can't watch them right now. It's awful. It's an it's an awful product. It really is. And I don't really understand what's the point of doing this.
2: You know what I appreciate about Gilo? Thank you, nice, buddy. Kylo. He starts out every year get, getting back in to some extent. Like yeah. he will, And then he just hits a wall where he goes, I'm not doing this anymore. But th- 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 as frustrating as it is for him, I'm sure – and as sad as it is to hear that as a he's a diehard Wizards fan, uh-huh. that apathy, that hopelessness, which is the word we're talking about right now, resonates throughout this entire fan base.
3: Now, that used to be March where you pull the trigger or, or pull the ripcord. Then it became February. Then it's January. Now you heard him. It's November because you've seen it before. The instant they start up, 3-11, and 11, and then the excuse gets made because one guy, you know, you you can't do without Deron, uh, DeLon Wright, apparently. Th- really? The guy that's readily available for tens of dollars. You can't win without Delon Wright playing twenty minutes in an evening. Spare me the the nonsense, right? We all do. We do this every year, and it's earlier and earlier when you go. That's it. I'm out. But
2: but, but you can't. It's not like people say. Well, how dare you? You know, you're a fair weather fan. No, 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 no. no. This isn't even about losing. Guylo, to speak for him, I think, because mm-hmm. I, I think me and him are similar on this. Lose all the time. Do something. That allows you eventually to get where everyone, including the team, wants to go. Has to be a purpose. What they're doing is just running in place, and they have been for so long. Mm -hmm. And it's not because they. I mean, the part I don't get, and he just suggested, is like this is what they want. This is what they prefer. This is what they like. Like if Ted Leonsis could touch a button, he'd rather be in the eight to ten area than one to three. Like that's not a thing. It's just that their process that they're trying to implement in my opinion, does not really work in the NBA.
3: Let me offer a distinction. I think his number one concern, talking about Ted, is we will not bottom out. We will not bottom out. I think that's his concern that overrides everything. Which
2: in some sports works. I mean, I think his philosophy is one that I actually subscribe to occasionally in sports, which is bites at the apple. I'm going to do whatever it takes every single year, if I'm Mike Rizzo, to Mm -hmm. build a 90-win team I will hand that to the manager, and if we're flirting with the playoffs and we're winning division titles year in and year out, eventually we're going to knock the door down and win a World Series. It worked for the Nationals. That's the that's the gig, right? Mm-hmm. The Capitals are the ultimate example of that. It's the bites at the apple philosophy. Mm-hmm. The, the, their best three or four teams didn't win cups. Eventually, though, they got the puck luck. They, the chemistry was right. It worked out. They bought into what Trotz was doing, and they wouldn't want a title. All you can control is the process. Yep. If the process is excellent for a long, long time, you give yourself bites at the apple, you will win. And I think that is a there's a lot of worse philosophies. I actually like that. I think Leonsis subscribes to that. There's nothing wrong with that. Here's where it's a problem. I think in basketball, it's not really a thing. I, I think there are a couple of contenders and a lot of pretenders. And if you don't have the, the, the superstars running your whole outfit, then you have no chance. And they have decided, okay, we'll do it the superstar route. Our superstar is Bradley Beal, but that's not good enough. But it's not right. And you, you've bet on the wrong racehorse, so to speak. And so maybe he thinks, you know, or they think, that correctly, actually, we do understand. We need superstars. But they've gone Beal and Porzingis instead of LeBron and, and Bosh or mm-hmm. Shaq and D. Wade. Yep. You know, their superstars just aren't on the level, maybe, that they need to be. We can try to squeeze in a couple more thoughts on this if you want. 800 636 Also next, I got some notes on the two games this weekend, conference championship action, a couple of stats that I found really interesting I'll throw at you. We'll do that as soon as we return on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. I just got a text from my friend. Welcome back, Grant and Danny here on the fan. Who's having lunch right now at Arby's in South Riding. And he said, they have your show on all the speakers in the dining room, even in the restrooms. So I wanted to say thank you to What's the up, good Arby's? people of Arby's in South Riding for showing love to the Grant and Danny we radio go. program. Here we go. So if you're enjoying your meal in the dining room, thank you. And if you are uh, in the bathroom freshening up and you hear us loud and clear, thank you as well. My, yeah, big round of applause. If, uh, If you regularly play our show at your place of business, thank you. That's awesome. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Let
3: us know. I have a philosophy when it comes to Arby's. Wait for the curly fries. If they go... If you order the curly fries with your meal and they go, the curly fries will be another minute or two. Do you want to wait? We can give you straight fries right now. I say, yes, you wait for the curly fries. That's my personal philosophy about Arby's. Can't go wrong.
2: Mine is roast beef sandwiches all the time, anytime. Yep. You ever had a roast beef sandwich from Arby's? I have. Yep. Me too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're good. All right. Spin me the NFL hits, Darius. Want to give you some notes here. These nuggets are from Axios. Some stats that I found interesting. About the coming round of conference championship football this weekend. How about this? Patrick Mahomes, 72 wins in his last five years as a quarterback with the Chiefs. Tom Brady, most wins in a five year span ever, 77 victories from 03 to 07 in That's New England.
3: Unbelievable.
2: Mahomes, number two all time, five wins behind Brady at the peak of the Patriots'
3: powers. That's it's like more than 15 wins a year when you add it all up because you're going to the AFC title game every year. Most most of the time you win the Super Bowl. That's absurd. People sleep
2: still on how hard it is to win a championship. You and I were talking about Mike McCarthy the other day Uh because I I have this weird thing where I say, I'm not like a big McCarthy guy. I think he's good. I don't think he's special. But people act like he is just so incompetent. And the biggest reason that people knock McCarthy, and, and you said it the other day, is he won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Drew Brees won one Super Bowl with Sean Payton. Sean Payton's not talked about the same way, right? Uh, I look at Andy Reid. Andy Reid's won a Super Bowl. He's been the one seed in the playoffs six times. It's just really damn hard to win a Super Bowl. And I think sometimes people forget that. Speaking of Andy Reid, here's your stat on Andy Reid first coach in NFL history to win 10 playoff games with two different teams 10 and 9 in the playoffs in Philadelphia, 10 and 7 in the playoffs now in Kansas City. Think about that, though. That checks out, yeah. No coach has ever won double-digit games in the playoffs with two teams
3: before Big Red. goes to my philosophy that if you make your name for yourself in one location, right, the next stop, you always get that autonomy, the Bill Parcells treatment where I want to pick the groceries too, and it never works as well. The idea that you can recreate that without those necessary fights and having the right structure, it just doesn't work as well in the second spot, and that validates it. Another
2: stat I saw, Axios, that I really liked. The Bengals. This is your Joe Burrow love. You ready? Okay. As an organization, Cincinnati has had as many playoff wins in two years led by Joe Burrow. That's five playoff wins. Okay. As they had in the 52-year history before Joe Burrow got there, five. <laughs> and that's a team that got to the Super Bowl. Remember, with yeah. the Boomer Esiason, I that's believe, right. it was a quarterback. Eighty-eight. So they had five playoff wins in their 52-year history. Before Burrow, they have five in the last two years. That gives you that hope, man. Even in Washington,
3: you got to find the guy. Surprising, even with Carson Palmer, those couple of years. But they I realized win. I think they only won maybe – I don't think they won a game in that in that time. That's it, incredible. He got to the playoffs. Remember the
2: one year they were at their best, and he got his knee he shredded by Kimo von Olhoffen, the Steelers' nose tackle, who fell right into his knee. Great ball. I, I've forgotten the player, but yeah. Eagles running back Boston Scott has played against the Giants nine times in his career. He's got 11, 11 touchdowns. career touchdowns, 11 in nine games. In 56 other games in his career, he has eight touchdowns. He has more touchdowns, in fact, three more, in nine games against the Giants than he does in 56 career
3: games not playing New York. That's astounding, by the way. I mean, that's, I mean Daniel Jones has like a third of his touchdowns career against Washington. That's not even that. That's more than half. Boston Scott. I mentioned
2: this one earlier. The Bills, first preseason title favorite to reach just the division round, not get to the conference title since the 2015 Seahawks. And I think they're the second team that that's happened to in decades. And then lastly, since 2011, we're going back 12 years. There are only three cities that have hosted an AFC championship game because Kansas City does it all the time Arrowhead in Kansas City, Gillette in New England, and Mile High in Denver, the only three cities. Over 12 years now to host an AFC title game. Back to Kansas City this year. Man, oh man. Must be nice. Some facts on the games coming up this weekend. The teams involved here on Grant and Danny. Speaking of those games, let's talk some football with Eric Eager. He is brilliant. Always makes us smarter. Four quarterbacks remaining. What can we take away from these being the last QBs standing? We'll ask him that question, and we'll get his thoughts on the two championship games on Sunday